The Utah Utes need to clean up a few things in practice this week before they take on USC this Saturday. But will they be able to do it? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersill, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. On today's show, we're going to be going over what this Utah team needs to fix and improve upon going into the USC game, as well as just what their biggest concerns are that we have for this Utah team right now. And I say we for a reason, because friend of the show is joining us, Brian Brown. Brian, thank you for coming on. And yeah, Saturday was a tough one, obviously. Not the way you want to go down against... Look, USC's really... Um, excuse me. Well, USC obviously is really good, but UCLA, of course, more than anything for right now, they're really good as well and I think when you're just talking about biggest concerns for this Utah team going forward I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball for me there's a lot of things you could point to I'm going to talk about the pass rush because I think this group is really struggling to get pressure with four I mentioned this a little bit yesterday but losses of guys like Tafua as well as Devin Lloyd have really been felt for this group when I think I thought I think I uh, me as well as a lot of people expected a lot from Van Fillinger and Junior guys who are only in terms of playing on their sophomore seasons with this Utah team you got guys like Connor O'Toole are still getting Getting acclimated, Abe Reed, a new system for him as well. We haven't really seen Diabate be used much as a blitzer this season. And just in general, guys like Connor O'Toole changing positions completely coming into as a defensive end. So there's not much of an interior pass rush in general, struggling to get pressure with four, whether it's twist through multiple things. They did a really good job against Arizona State of getting that pressure, but against a stronger offensive line like the Bruins had, they really struggled to get home. And that is something I'm going to be concerned about going forward as well, because there isn't an elite pass rusher on this team, which is unfortunate to say. Well, Mm. You do so that's a lot. Like, you oh, throw yeah. out of the whole conversation yeah. there. Um, so I'll kind of start at the back and work yeah. work my way through. I think there are elite pass rushers on this team, but okay. I think the hard part about it is is you know when we think about it, it's just the switch that we always think about turning on and off. Like, oh no, you're going to be a rusher. You're going to be a pass rusher. You're going to stop the run. You're going to you know all that kind of stuff. And I think the hard part about it is the way that Utah's built its defense and really the way that this front seven has developed and, and the issues that have come come about are on the back end with the linebackers and the run fit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like giving up and everybody is talking about pass rush and then everybody's talking about, well, but we gave up 200 yards or I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm shooting off the top of my head and I should have the stats up. I think was it, I know that Charbonnet had like almost 10 yards per rush, right? It's, it's an, he averaged nine yards per carry and on mm-hmm. 22 carries went for 198 yards. Yeah, which is just unheard of with Utah football, right? And it's interesting because, you know, like, like you think, wow, that's terrible. And then you look and Utah's still, you know, like I think second in the conference even after yesterday in terms of yards allowed. So they're still doing okay. But it's this kind of give and take between what do you do? Do you stay with stopping the run game, which has been just, you know, the, the crux of this system and go all in on allowing some of these guys to just get off and go. And I think that's the difference between having the experience of Mika Tatufu and Devin Lloyd, like you were saying, and having guys like Mo Diabate and Jonah Ellis and Connor O'Toole, you know, who just haven't seen a lot of time. I think Van Fillinger probably had one of his better games against UCLA, which just kind of plays into that a little bit more. He's an experienced guy. He got really good in the run game. 
uh, run defense game last year, you know, especially against Oregon. I thought he was outstanding. Yes. And, and, and so to kind of bring it all full circle, I think that's part of the issue, right? They're so concerned about these defensive linemen staying stout in their run game responsibilities to protect those backers who Mo's getting better, right? Lander's getting better, but they are still struggling. And, you know, I had a lot of people, uh, texting me about Karenny, why he's why is he doing so poorly? Well, because he's covering up for other guys, right? And so he's having to really push about it. So I think all these concerns are valid, right? And and I think against a, a really, really good team in UCLA, we saw it all come out. And and so I think if we're gonna kind of break it all down, it's if if getting the pass rush is is really going to be the spark for you as Utah, I think you've got to find a way to allow these linebackers to kind of sink or swim a little bit in the run game and, and just give your defensive lineman free go to go and attack the quarterback. Yeah, and you mentioned the linebackers, and that was the second place I was going to go, and we're talking yeah. about Let's talk about Diabate, whether he's so aggressive and overplays constantly, flying all over the field. And sometimes he makes plays, tackles for loss, like we talked about in Oregon State. Other times it's like, wait, why is no one over there to cover that? And it's because Diabate bit on a play fake, whether that's a bootleg or a naked play, all the time. You've been, the Bruins used a ton of those, and it really got Diabate a lot of the time. And then Karene is another guy you mentioned out of position. And then a couple times when he is in the right spot, just ends up missing the tackles. And those are critical tackles because – in terms of that second line of for the Utes being that linebacker level, if he doesn't make that tackle in those situations, it goes for big runs. And that's what happened a couple of those times. Then you look at a guy in Lander Barton as well. And Lander's only a freshman and as good as he's going to be, it's hard for him to get off some of those blocks when those big Bruin offensive linemen get their hands on him as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how this group comes together now that we are halfway through the season. But yeah, I'm definitely a little nervous for this group going into this game against USC as well, where the Trojans have been running the ball pretty well too. Yeah, and um, I, I think it's different kinds of run game. You know, I think I'll, I'll be honest. People love to discount Chip Kelly and talk about how he's not a good football coach and things like that. And I get that he had some issues with things in the NFL, but that doesn't mean that he's not a great college coach still. And now that he's able to get his full system in, this is the first year that he's had entirely his players, his system fully functioning at UCLA we're seeing the reemergence, right? And, and Chip is a huge believer in sports science and, and people make fun of the fact that those guys eat grass-fed grass prime rib all the time, but you kind of saw it on display. Like Utah looked like they were lethargic, looked like they weren't, you know, playing up to the same caliber or level of UCLA and UCLA was electric all game long. So um, in contrast to USC, I think USC is still in that building process. So I think they're still vulnerable. If we're going to compare offensive lines, it's no contest. UCLA's offensive line is drastically better uh, than anything USC has. And, and, and in my opinion, UCLA has one of the top offensive line coaches in the country. You can see it because consistently in their recruiting, they're getting those four- and five-star guys on the offensive line that Utah has always chased after. So Utah is still in the process of developing um, offensive linemen. And so it takes that slower burn just a little bit. Everything is valid at this point, right? Yep. Um, but I think we're still not quite to the point of like, uh-oh, time to grasp, you know, the the oh-no handles and, and and pull on every lever and everything like that. And, and you have to remember with Kyle Whittingham, he is always going to stick with the fundamentals and the basics. So they'll go back to business. You know, it's fall break for Utah. So these guys aren't going to have to go to class. And then, again, dark mode game. 
hand painted helmets, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's going to be a very emotional affair. So I expect Utah to play much, much better uh, in terms of, of that uh, on Saturday. So I, I think it's hard because USC really is Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison, um, blanking on the third wide receiver Mario, there. Mario Williams. Mario Williams. And, and, and then it's kind of a different group, right? Um, there's just not the star power across the board there yet. And they're working to develop guys. You know, I, I think Troy Dye is a great running back, but he's a downhill guy. He's not, you know, uh, I don't think he's a caliber of Charbonnet, just in my opinion. And, and really Charbonnet really made look Utah look bad on, you know, second and third efforts. So it, it's going to be an interesting contrast. I think Utah beats USC just to kind of Ooh. get ahead on that one. Um, I was worried about the UCLA game though. So. Yeah, definitely a team that I felt like I kind of overlooked in my preseason predictions. As many Bruins fans, if any of them are still checking into this, have called me out on rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be interesting to see how it shapes for the Utes this Saturday. But those are kind of our concerns for the defense. We're going to move over to the offense in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back. Thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app and use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Guys, Upside is super easy to set up and download, and you can start earning cash back instantly. So make sure you guys head over to Upside, where users earn more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code locked to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars more that's five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more using promo code locked and that's locked the uppercase l everything else is lowercase so make sure you guys head over to upside something that's really easy and simple to install something that's not really easy is getting an offensive line to gel together and we're seeing that even though you had four returning start four guys on this group who started at least four games last year for Utah. It hasn't been really smooth. And this was a game that was one of the rougher ones for the O block. We saw a lot of shuffle. We saw some shuffling even in this game, Jaron Kump coming in at right guard in place of Michael Mokofisi. And I think specifically when we're just talking about the offensive line, which is my biggest concern for this Utah offense right now at this moment, some people could talk about Tavion a little bit, and there's definitely some things there, especially if we heard coach Whittingham talk, but I like the steps the receivers are taking. Um, obviously that miss missing Brant was really evident. Yasmin, of course, had a really critical drop in this one, but I feel like that's things that are going to come along, but I'm really concerned about this offensive line and honestly, specifically, is the right side of the offensive line. Brian, you're going to talk more about Satao Laumea at right tackle in a second, I have a feeling, but just feels like that's a transition that hasn't really worked out for this Utah team left. And another thing just in general for the old block, it just seems like week after week we're seeing simple mistakes, whether it's lack of blitz pickup or issues getting to the second level. Things just haven't clicked yet for this group. Yeah, and, and the blitz pickup is is one of those things where that that comes back to some of the the stuff that we've talked about with the running back position, right? Where you have a dinged up Makai Bernard, uh, Jalen Glover inexperienced, Tavion Thomas working through some things, and and so that kind of stuff. And and again, the other part of it too is is Cam Rising really being on top of his reads pre snapped and and knowing where his hots are, right? So, so every time we talk about blitz pickup, I preface with that because you know unless we know for sure that it's just man-on-man you know, uh, -man protection like, we always have to go through and look at the film which you and i love to do that being said i think you're there's a bigger point that you're making about uh that right side of the offensive line and 
moving Satawa out to tackle was a – I liked the move for the Florida game because it gave you the five best players on the field and gave you the most experience, I think, uh, because Satawa played guard. He could help Moko, and, and you know, you've got Paul on the other side, and, and they can work together. The issue is that Satawa is a, an elite first-team all-conference guard He's not that as a tackle, and, and they've done that in the past where they bumped a guard out to tackle, and it's been okay. It's just a really, really tough transition for Satawa, and it's asking so much of him to do that against guys at UCLA. They're just extreme athletes, and so really you're, you're not at the point where you have to have the, the most experienced guys out there. You have to have your best five, and Michael Mokofisi was not at his best on Saturday, and so they made the move to bring in Jaron Cump. I love it. You've got to give guys like Moko time to develop. And if he's not in the game mentally and if he's even making mistakes, pull him out, give him a breather. Offensive linemen are not like quarterbacks, okay? It's a different ball game. And so they don't get all inside in their heads like, oh, I'm never going to see the field again. Yep. Everybody's going to hate me because it's just like, you know, it's like I ever t- tell people all the time, like you never, <clears throat> it's like an H-back repairman. The only time you ever recognize them is when they're not around to get the job done, right? So, uh, all that being said, I tweeted it out. I don't like Satala Lome at the right tackle. Slide him inside. Put him back at guard. Make yourself extremely strong there. And then let Jaron Kump and Falcon Kamatuli work it out. We've seen enough of Falcon in games with game reps to know that he's doing a good job. Jaron Kump is clearly healthy. Thought it gave him a nice little boost, uh, you know, in the game. And, and you know, so, so put this thing together and let's roll forward uh, or, or, you know, Test it out in practice. See if Michael Mokofisi bounces back. Um, you know, I'm not in the meeting, so I can't tell you exactly what the problems that he's having. But I guarantee you that staff and that crew knows exactly what it is. And so if you can get it resolved in practice this week, do it. Otherwise, make that move, you know, because I think Jaron Kump was supposed to be the starter at right tackle. He was just behind. And, and now he's had a chance to get caught up um, and all that kind of stuff. It's It's not one of those things that, like, this is not the – I mean, 480 yards of offense is a lot, right? Yes. And I think the hard part about it is that you have two turnovers that, and we can debate things. You know, I didn't love <clears throat> running that play out of empty where Cam Rising throws the interception. I'd rather throw it under center with some play action or something like that because, or, you know, with a back in the backfield at the very least, because all that allows is US, UCLA to know for sure that you're throwing it. So either run QB draw early on, see what you can do with it, which I don't think Utah was comfortable with, or you know, don't run it out of empty like that because you're not catching them off guard. And it's just a really, really tough throw with seven, eight guys in, in coverage, right? So, so that was the first interception. The fumble obviously was what it was. Two turnovers really limited the offense and, and, and changed the game for Utah, I think. And, and so it's not that like – we can break down the things with the offense. I think the bigger problem is you're not getting the ball in the hands of Dalton Kincaid and Devon Bailey. But if you can solidify that stuff with the O block and, and like you said, open up the run game a little bit more, um, you can go from being vanilla to really expanding the playbook. And I think that's where Utah really has got to get to. And I just think that Satawa inside and Jaron Kump give you more of that because they're more experienced. So the question is then, do you make that switch this week if you are Utah or do you wait till after the USC game? Because that's a really quick turnaround. And although Sawa Satawa has played at guard in the past, I don't we don't know how much he's up to 
speed on that position going into this week as well. DLK played it last year, but the playbook changes from year to year as well still. And I just, I, I think I like the idea. I just don't know if you make it this week. If you, maybe it's the best play, but even if so, maybe it is better to keep a guy like Jaron Kump at right guard or maybe even bring in a Falcon at right tackle because it does feel like a change is needed on the right side. But do you think Satawa would be ready to go at guard for this week? I think so. Um, and I think it's a lot easier to go from tackle to guard. You know, it's like, yes. uh, it's kind of like taking a deep breath after being underwater for a long period of time. You're like, Ooh, okay, I'm good to go. Um, just because it's it, being out there on the edge is so much more about your athletic ability, right? And, and so much more about your physical gifts. And that's like Satawa is blessed, man. Like as a guard, mm -hmm. he is phenomenal. He gets so much drive and movement and he's able to get out and move. So I like that as well. I think part of the reason that they went with Moko Fisi is because he's a physical, strong, gifted guard. But we're starting to see teams do some things and, and you're about that four or five, six game window where schematically people are changing things up and it's it, it's catching him, you know. For Satawa, he's been there the whole time watching this. So he knows that stuff. He knows what his responsibility are. You know, you talk about the playbook changing. I mean, inside zone is inside zone. True. Right? <laughs> like like, like it's combo to backer, combo to backer, combo to backer, you know, or play side your, your drive one. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for guards, it's it, it, it's still familiar enough for Satawa to where you can make that move. I think the, the question for me, and I'll ask you this, can you afford to lose this game against USC? I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, look, maybe there's some, maybe it's some, I think then you put your, you need other things to help you, right? I think that right. is in the hands of others if you were to drop this game. So this does feel like a must win for Utah. So I think if that's the case, then it's, you know, do we have to make this move in order to win this game? And, I, you know, you look at USC's personnel, and they got some dudes on the defensive line. Like, they yeah, always have. Yeah, what was the stat coach Whittingham threw out there today? I think they lead FBS in sacks or something like that. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, and, and, and even in the conference right now, they're 24 sacks a game, you know, averaging four sacks a game. Yeah, four sacks. Uh, I think it's – I'm trying to remember who it is that leads them with sacks right now, but I, I, I can't uh, – No, you're right. It's a really – On the fly, yeah. Not a good – Tui, tui, uh, tui Pelotu, um, easy for me to say, right? Yeah, so not seven sacks on the season. Mm -hmm. Nick Figueroa, Solomon Bird, and 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 uh, I think it's Talenti is the, the linebacker. That, anyways, they've got some dudes on this defense, and so my question is this: If you're going to have, you know, the interesting part about this too is we're not talking about Braden Daniels and some of the stuff he's doing technically. Mm -hmm. I watched a clip the other day of him doing that chop move to get defenders' hands off of him. Like that's elite level line play. So so it's you have to understand that if you're USC, you're going to watch the film and say, okay, Braden Daniels, we're probably not going to beat on a regular basis, but I think we can attack Satala Lomea if I'm USC. So then the question becomes, are you better with Satawa out there or are you throwing Falcon or Kump to the Wolves kind of? I think that if you start Kump at tackle, like you can always make the switch to bring somebody in at guard and bump Satawa back out, right? And that's not the worst thing to make that move either. So that's, again, I'm not getting paid to make these decisions. I'm making observations about what I would be talking about if I were in the room as a coaching staff, right? And, and, and the, the hard part about it is you and I have this conversation right now live and, and, and people are going to make, you know, uh, assessments or, or draw conclusions from what we say. And this conversation is going to go on for another three or four days within the staff and, and, yeah. and the, the team. And I think it makes it really fascinating, to be honest. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, as you mentioned. I think USC would be going into this game 
wanting to attack Satawa. So you throw someone else out there. And look, I don't think they would change it very much. They'd be like, well, we don't know this guy, but Satawa beat him out in camp. So let's still try to attack and go at him. But might yield better results, you said. Might be a really good curveball this Utah team can throw at them. So it'd be interesting to see how the offensive line responds this coming one after letting Cam be pressured a lot in this game. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that USC game, get Brian's thoughts in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Nissan. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting plays from the Utes this week, past weekend, or throughout the history of the school. This week's thrilling moment for the Utes. For me, I'm going to go with Cam's second, I believe it was a second rushing touchdown, where he scrambled, shook off two guys, I believe. Might have even broke three tackles on that one. I thought that one was absolutely incredible, Brian. So that's going to be my Nissan moment of the week. Which one would you go with, or would you go with the same one? Yeah, hard to argue with that one, and it was at a critical moment where Utah really needed to get back in the game, so great choice on your part. Yeah, so I'll go with that one, and hopefully Cam can get a couple more this coming week versus USC. So this segment has been inspired by the new thrilling designs and features across the Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in a new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So make sure you guys head over to Nissan and check out a lot of the great things they have going on. And the one thing the Utes have going on is a huge game versus USC this Saturday. We just talked about what this Utah team needs to improve on for it. But Brian, what are your thoughts on this USC team? Because to me, I see a team that, look, is obviously can do a lot of things on offense. They've been running the ball very well with Die as well as on the outside. you got guys like Addison, Williams, and we know what Caleb Williams himself, of course, can do also. And a defense that has been able to create some turnovers this year. I mean, they're not – some of the stuff it's like, okay, like and Cam does a really good job taking care of the ball overall. You you talked about the interception, just a poor throw, one Cam with step back. The fumble to me more than everything, anything was a great defensive play. And we have not seen Cam fumble the ball almost ever. So I don't feel like that's going to be an issue in this one as well. But this is, I think it's going to be a really fun game. And I do see why Utah is still favored because let's be, this is the reason this team is still ranked 20th. And their two losses on the season are still, look, the Florida loss isn't great, but still week one, a riled up crowd under head coach's new tenure, still one I wouldn't consider it a horrible loss. And then last week against the UCLA team that right now very well meet maybe the best team in the Pac 12, despite what the rankings may tell you. Well, and, and I think we're going to find out real soon on UCLA, right? And you, were not, you and I were texting back and forth in two weeks. Uh-huh. We're kind of going to get that aha moment, see how good this team really is. Um, and and it's kind of a weird year because I, I think there's so much movement going on in terms of who's really the best team because Alabama is not returning a ton of starters, right? Now Bryce Young's hurt. So so there's a lot of movement in the top. And, and UCLA is on a very good path of development. But this is the first time in a long time they've been at the forefront of the conference, right? And, and so we'll be—I'll be fascinated to see, you know, how they, how they do everything, and, and and you know how they handle being at the head of the the, the pack. But to to get back to this matchup up here, I think USC is vulnerable in places that UCLA was not, right? Like I, I think that USC defensive line is very good at attacking and pressure. Alec Grinch, that's one of the, Alex Grinch, that's one of the things that he bases his defense off of. You know, they've gotten away from that old Clancy Pendergast uh 3-3-5 type thing that they're doing, and then they're doing what UCLA or USC should be doing and running forefront, right? So it allows that defensive line to get pressure. They've been susceptible to a few things, you know, in the run game. So I think that's where Utah really can kind of establish something is is figuring things out with Tavion and, and really securing that position opening that Makai Bernard is healthy because you've got to be more diverse in the run game. It, it can't just be downhill, downhill, downhill every single time. 
you know, um, and then again, I, I, I'm going to stand on this one for a long time. Get Devon Vele involved in the offense. You know, we haven't seen a lot of orbital motion this year from Utah. I don't know if it's because, you know, they, they, they're inexperienced or what, but like bring back some fly sweeps and, and try and get Devon on the wide side of the field because he does phenomenally well on punt returns, right? Um, so give him the ball in space, let him work, try and create, not just, you know, running those posts and deep slants. So that's where I see it in terms of, of what Utah can do on offense defensively. <clears throat> attack that offensive line, man. <laughs> attack that USC offensive line because that is definitely the weak point. Caleb Williams is a wild card. I don't think he's the threat to run that DTR is necessarily. Uh, you know, he, he can run. He can scramble. He's an athlete. But I think Utah can do a lot in terms of robber coverage to try and contain him a little bit. But pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, like really, really, really attack that USC offensive line. Yeah, and it's going to be fun to see if this Utah team can do it. Brian, you feeling a win? I am. Yeah, it is, I mean, it's kind of a, uh, a weird situation to be so confident that I think Utah gets it done. But I've watched a lot of USC this year, and I just I'm not overwhelmed. You know, they they <clears throat> they they lack the consistency of a team that's been together for a long time under culture, right? And I think that it's one thing to be able to go out to the portal and get all the talent and get guys going. But when it comes down to rubber meeting the road, I think Utah still has the athletes to compete with them. You know, if, if I guess let me ask you this. I think we both agree that Caleb Williams is probably the best athlete on the field in this game, correct? Caleb Williams, the best athlete on the field. I, yeah, I still go, yeah. But it's pretty close, right? Like, I think for me, it was DTR was way above, and then it was, you know, maybe Cam or Dalton or somebody like that, right? Uh, in this one, I think Caleb is the best athlete. Maybe Jordan Addison. I don't yeah, know. That was, that was the guy who I was going back and forth with. I do think yeah, the special things Caleb can do, and he's only a sophomore even. Uh-huh. Well, but and that's and I think that he, the inexperience has caught him on a couple of times too, right? Oh, sure. So I think that that's a difference between a elite athlete and DTR that's been a five-year starter, you know, and, and sometimes we forget that part of it too. That, that That's insane, you know, like, well, it's unprecedented really. Thank, thank you, pandemic. But um, so I think there are still flaws with USC. That's not going to say that this is, you know, a, a gimme or anything like that. Utah's really got to come back to the table and work hard. But I think, I just think that, UCLA was a much, much better team than maybe most people recognize. They were 100%, and it's going to be interesting to see how this Utah team responds going into this game versus USC. It's something we're going to be talking about all week on Locked on Utes. A couple fun guests lined up for you guys as well, so make sure you guys check out Locked on Utes all throughout the week. we got a ton of fun stuff coming up. Also, if you want some more fun Utah content, make sure you check out Brian Brown on Twitter, at SLC. Always some fun tweets and a little bit of film breakdowns and a couple things thrown in there as well, so make sure you keep it with Brian. Also, head over to Twitter and give me a follow at JTWisterSell. Love to interact with you guys there and keep supporting our youtube channel our road to 500 subscribers before the kickoff versus usc is still well underway appreciate you guys helping us to reach 460 in this one and always appreciate you listening in on locked on use and if you're in the market for a second listen every day locked on pack 12 the place for you spencer mclaughlin other local experts take you around the conference in under 30 minutes tons of game previews even for these upcoming slated games this week as well as reactions from this past weekend a lot of fun and great stuff going on there so make sure you check out locked on pack 12 and as always thank you for listening to locked on Utes. that's going to do it for us today but we'll see you tomorrow